0: Welcome to Station Adjacent, to podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyfe, and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu. How's
1: the Cyprus today? It's absolutely lovely, but more importantly, how's Canada? You're having quite the time over there, are you not? BC is
0: officially under a state of emergency, which means we have travel restrictions, and all of those fun things, Uh, which is interesting because uh, I was going to do my small little commute into the office next Monday, and that's not going to happen. First off, there is no way for me to get into the office. We had a a small little rainstorm on Sunday and Monday. I believe there was between 150 and 200 millimeters in a 24-hour period. Wow. Which, on top of We had a very, very hot summer. We had a lot of wildfires. We had quite wet snow already there. And when everything, all the rain came down, everything seemed to wash out. So the one highway between myself and my office is under about six feet of water at the moment. The highway through the mountains has bridges out. It has washed out, so there's lots of uh, debris. Basically, half a mountain came down on top of the road. Um, so I think it'll be several months before that one is back up and running. There is another slower route through the mountains, and that one is buried under a landslide as well. Wow! So the in Canada, Vancouver is, of course, the biggest port because, well, you have to dock a ship and that's on the right side of the ocean to dock most ships. And, um, yeah, everything is shut down. Uh, apparently even the gas lines for, uh, petroleum have shut down to Vancouver. They've got, uh, basically running out of gas and it's just a very, very interesting time. Wow. I went to our local store because I've learned a couple of things from 2020. One of those is, um, in case of disaster, stock up on toilet paper. Of course. Uh, toilet paper was about the only thing that was in stock that day. I, I wor- had to work all day and I walked into the grocery store about five o'clock and I, I knew it was a bad sign because the, the little grocery store here is never that busy. It's kind of expensive, but the entire parking lot was full. I had a bit of a tough time finding a spot. And while I was in there, the lineup was basically all the way around the store, but you walked in and you picked up a little bit of whatever was left because the entire meat section was gone. The entire milk section was gone. All the fresh veggies. Well, they left broccoli, but that was about it. Uh, who <laughs> wouldn't
1: leave broccoli, right? Well, I'm quite, quite fond of broccoli to be honest.
0: Uh, yeah. Luckily it was on my wife's list, but, uh, yeah, lettuce, um. Carrots, everything was gone. It was just, it was a very, very weird experience. And the funny part is we haven't fallen off into the water. We're actually okay here, but most of our supply lines come up from Vancouver. Mm -hmm. We are somewhat attached to the rest of Canada, but because of the way provincial supply chains work and all the rest of that, it'll take a little bit of time to order in from our provinces next to us. So, uh, very, very interesting time. And I guess I'm not going into the office anytime soon, uh, unless I have a boat.
1: Mm, yeah. Probably time to, uh, yeah. Put the drawbridge up, close the curtains, stay warm. And, uh, yes, be remote, be remote. That's the way forward.
0: Stay warm. Yes. That is something that I will need to do. I was out there today, Stu. It snowed yesterday and overnight.
1: Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And A lot or a bit? Or?
0: Well, enough to cover everything and uh, make it look pretty. But, you know, that's the first one of the year, so I'm sure that always looks pretty. Uh-huh. But yes, it was uh, pretty damn cold. I took the dog out. Uh, she came in. She's long-haired. So one of the fun things that I'm learning about long hair is it creates snowballs in the bottom of her fur. Mm. So I've got a dog that's dripping wet as she warms up all over the house and um drop snowballs wherever she's walking so <laughs> this is this is so much fun uh, i love snow
1: very well I'm, I'm sure you're going to learn to either that or move mm. uh, i'm i'm not going through
0: the moving thing again <laughs>
1: <laughs> i can i can see you as a as a nomadic worker in mexico mm. uh, i get, really happening. when i went to mexico the one time i've been to mexico um the vast majority of people that i met at the golf course were canadian uh, and describe themselves as snowbirds. That's
0: correct. People that move over for the winter.
1: Yep. They were down to Mexico. We stay here for the winter. Then we go back to Canada for the summer.
0: Okay, Fair enough. Yeah. I, I could just see me traveling
1: with my 53 foot semi full of house goods. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it would encourage you to be a little more compact in your packing. <laughs> I don't do compacts do you know that? No, no. I have expensive tastes. <laughs> There will be no limiting beliefs on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I could do it. I could do it. All right.
0: Oh, well. uh, You can have my snow, by the way, if you want it.
1: No, you're welcome.
0: Um, If anybody is interested in what's happening in BC, because I'm I'm sure it's a big deal here, but uh, it is certainly fascinating to see places that you know get uh, so waterlogged. Uh, I've got a couple of links in the show notes to some of the news articles. Uh, Be warned, they are Canadian news articles, which means... Stu looked at them this morning and complained that we have the worst ad-laden news sites in the world. So that's a challenge to anybody out there to find us something worse, Uh, but
1: yes. Well, in in fact, I don't look at very many American sort of news sites either, so they may be just as bad, I don't know.
0: Uh, Apple News comes in handy out here for some things anyway. Mm. yep. How did we get on with Margin this week? Did we find any?
1: Um, well, I did okay, I think. Yeah, I, um, I had a little bit of a um, sort of weak readjustment. So Monday got blown away. Um, I was working on the Nero's Notes website late into Sunday night mm-hmm. and then got up early again on Monday morning and had to finish off some tasks. there, all around tags and you know, just laborious stuff. But uh, that kind of threw me. Um, so Monday, everything that was important on Monday didn't get done. But I was able to reschedule it because I had the elusive margin. So um, by, I suppose, come Wednesday evening, everything was back on track. So yeah, it went well for me. What about you? You've been under a bit more pressure than me.
0: It's funny. I had a more pressure-driven week for various reasons. Uh, My wife had some surgery on Monday. I had approached the week. With the idea that these were things that were going to disrupt my week and I allowed for them rather than fighting them and trying to put them in a particular time slot and, and deal with that. I allowed for, I wouldn't say margin. I don't have a huge amount of that, but I allowed for a little bit of flexibility in there. Uh, What that did is one of my podcasts came out a little bit later than it normally would have because I took the time to look after my wife rather than worrying about disappearing and finishing an edit because I'm on a time schedule. That flexibility, that approach, you can't create margin out of nothing, but that idea that I was going to become flexible. Was enough to give me the margin and take away the stress. So I actually had a good week despite mm-hmm. everything that happened out here this week. So,
1: yay. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, it's amazing the deadlines that we set ourselves. If if we do build in some of that flexibility, it comes as a great shock to us that the world continues to turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does. <laughs> it, it does. And, you know,
0: it's whether you get a podcast out on a Monday or a Wednesday, the world really doesn't end. So, uh, yeah. Apologies to anybody that got that a podcast late. It wasn't this one. It was the other one that I do, but uh, it, it was fine. I was okay with those changes and realized that a lot of the deadlines I put on myself are, well, they're deadlines I put on myself. And sometimes you just have to be flexible.
1: For sure. All right. Tool of the week, Stu. What do you got? Tool of the week. Well, for me, it was um, a slight cheat. Uh, tenacity. So, um, as I, as I said, Monday got sort of blown away by the, the website redesign, um, and me frantically retagging a whole load of things. And then, uh, there were, and there remain a couple of issues, which I think always happens when you launch a new site.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so there's more, and that was preying on me. It was really hitting my concentration. So Monday mornings are usually right. Um, cause I usually come into the week sort of full of optimism <laughs> and energy. So, um, I was very tired. I'd been up till, I don't know, about two in the morning and then got up again at five. So three hours sleep oh. does not fuel um, a creative sort of energy. But as I say, I, um, I just held on in there, moved some things around in my plan on my little analog cards. They're still in play. And yeah, by Tuesday, I was, I was back on track. Wednesday, everything was good. Mm-hmm. So tenacity, just hanging on and going, okay, I can deal with this.
0: hmm and if anybody hasn't been to Nero's uh, go check out the new redesign. Really nice, actually. I really like the, the work on there. I, I know you said you were going to focus on discoverability mm. and certainly looks that you have achieved that goal from what I saw. I spent a, a few minutes on there the other day because I was kind of curious. I knew this was coming up. Very nice. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and Nero got a new logo as well, I see.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, the the logo um, can, in the right circumstances, bring it here to my eye. We had a load of mascots done by uh, Manny. Manny Cartoon is where you'll find him on Instagram. who's an absolute dude down down in Miami. And he's done this sort of cartoon figure of Nero. So it's a miniature. Nero's a miniature schnauzer, if you don't know, with a slight sort of edge to him. He wears a monocle. And if your miniature now is a dozen, then what are you doing? <laughs> but he's uh, he's now been brought fully to life. So we've got pictures of him writing down in uh, writing his journal. We've got uh, him walking along with a cane. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff going on. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's peppered around the site, and well, increasingly around all of you know social media. And uh, that's fantastic. It was uh, an unexpected bonus of the redesign.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I certainly have, I've got my little pin on the backpack of the original Nero design Mm -hmm. and was looking at that going, oh, Stu's got some merchandising ideas here, I see.
1: (laughs) Yes, there's going to need to be a significant investment in new packaging and merchandising and all sorts of stuff, but um, it's money I'll gladly spend, I think. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Go check it out, there'll be a link in the show notes.
1: And what about you, what was your tool of the week, Justin?
0: Well, I've already talked about it. Flexibility. I kind of went with your theme because I didn't have a physical tool. Again, I've kind of, I wouldn't say pulled back, but I've allowed myself a little bit more flexibility. Well, hey, stay with the theme. Um, I allowed myself some flexibility this week. I didn't focus so much on the tools I was using. I didn't focus as much on the driven deadlines. I focused on what was important, which includes looking after the family and grocery shopping with the massive people trying to empty the rest of the shelves and fighting over toilet paper in aisle six. It made for a stress-free weekend, let's put it that way. It was a very, very good week for me. Well, that's brilliant. Build in some flexibility, uh, some margin, if you can call it that, or, you know, well, I can't say what I was going to say there because I'd have to bleep it. (laughs) You know, just, just allow yourself the flexibility to
1: roll with things. That's it. Don't sweat the small stuff.
0: Or the big stuff either. True. Not going to change much. What have you been writing with this week, Stu?
1: Well, originally, um, I'd written that I was sticking where I was because I had all three pens inked, and then, then one of them emptied. So, yay. Oh, lovely. Uh, so, I've still, got, <laughs> I've still got my Sailor Pro gear going with, with the Diamine Honeyburst, the Les Paul Honeyburst. Uh, I've still got the Twisby Mini, which is going with the Lamy Obsidian. And I ink up a third pen, so it's fantastic. Uh, this is one that I don't use that often. Uh, it's a Montegrappa Ducale Murano, which uh, sounds very Italian because it is very Italian. Um, Murano is um, best known for the glass. So it's Venetian glass, very colorful glass. And the pen is very pretty. I've got the purple version. That was a limited edition, I think. Uh, it has a crown at the top. There's a link in the show notes where you can see it, see a photo. It's a very very handsome pen, and it's like um it's like an Italian sports car. <laughs> Looks beautiful, performs brilliantly if it performs at all. Mm. So I've I filled it with um a lovely pilot Hiroshizuku Murasaki Shikibu. Uh, which is a purple ink, so it all matches beautifully. Um, it's a little bit of a blighter when you fill it. <laughs> it. It's one of those pens that doesn't matter how careful you are, you are going to end up purple. Mm. So um, I had that little tussle this afternoon and then left it sort of standing up to to calm down and sort itself out. And now it's not writing. Uh, ah, you've got one of my types of uh, nibs at the moment yeah well, i mean it is quite a stiff steel nib in this pen and so i imagine once i get it flowing it will be fine but um i really didn't want to be battling it while i was podcasting, so at the moment it's just sitting there and looking pretty mm. uh, and i'm actually writing notes with the with a sailor but that's the joy of having having three pens on the go isn't it yeah that's a beautiful pen oh it's gorgeous it's very lovely um even better when it works yeah, that's about it.
0: I know all about that one. Uh, speaking of which, I'm determined to kill off some of the ink in some of my pens. I've got a growing pile of stuff that is inked. I've got four pens, the esterbrook the Bennu, the LIY Future, and the Monte Verde from the last few weeks. So rather than just dumping all the ink out, I'm decided that I'm going to try to finish those off. And, and for some, I'm not sure how this happens to, but a Blackwing entered the free. Uh, Blackwing number six, which is well, it's like, oh, volume six. Volume six. It's it's like writing with a with a poker. It 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 is lovely and dark, uh, and the point retention lasts about oh three letters before it's gone.
1: <laughs> it's the uh, Celebrate small business. The the volume six. The sort of neon colours, neon blue and neon red. That was a neon one. Yes, this is a neon blue that I'm writing in. Lovely.
0: Lovely pen. But uh, yeah, I, I can't keep a point, point on this. No. It,
1: it needs some pencil Viagra or something to keep a point on. No, you just need to be sitting next to a sharp. <laughs> That's, that is life with the softer Black Queen. That is how it works, I'm afraid. Unless you're one of those who can work with a nub. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not mentioning any names, Megan Cosgrove. But um, <laughs> yes, little nub users. Mm, can't do it.
0: No, not me. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about willpower Mm. and some choices of whether it's finite or infinite. Now, we're going to sort of be referring to a couple of different things here. Mainly the, what I consider a seminal book on willpower called Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength, which is by Roy Baumeister and John Tierney. Uh, That's uh, from 2011 and Stu hadn't read it until recently. And I think he's got some interesting opinions on it. Mm -hmm. I also saw there was some, a, a body of work that has been coming out that sort of refutes the, the conclusions of that book. The one I'm, referring to is by, uh, near Uh, he's the author of indistractable and a couple of other books, very, very knowledgeable and, and smart, uh, gentleman. Uh, and he has a opinion on what he calls scrapping ego depletion theory, uh, which is basically your willpower isn't limited. I'm going to start with what my take on the book, because I know Stu has some different thoughts on it. hmm this book came out in 2011 and I think changed a lot of my thinking. The core of it, I haven't read it in a few years, but the core takeaways from willpower were that willpower is basically a mental muscle and that can be tired, ego depletion theory. Every, all of the decisions we make in a day, take away from your pool of have been able to make a better decision in the next one that you have to make. Uh, Basically too many decisions you make in a day and the quality of those decisions reduces. Now this in the book is tied into a lot of different things, which uh, I think Stu wants to talk about. But I I thought about this, you know, at the time and said, you know, at the end of my day, it's a lot harder to say no to a cookie with my coffee. It's a lot harder to say no to a a nightcap, a tipple at the end of the day. It's a lot harder to get myself to exercise in the evening. And these types of things that I looked at in myself really fit with this theory that you make good decisions in the morning and every decision you make, your capacity for good decisions tends to be depleted just a little bit. Mm. I look at it in my own life and say that, okay, there are some decisions that If I make like pre-planning my day, scheduling my day to do certain things at a certain time, which can create its own problems in itself when things don't go according to my plan. But that idea works really well for choice depletion theory because I've already made those choices. I don't have to go back and think about those. If I sit at two o'clock in the afternoon and try to figure out, okay, what's next? The chances are that, surfing Instagram may be high on that list. Those are the things that really do make a difference when it comes to willpower. Make those decisions ahead of time. The bigger questions to me are whether willpower can be exercised. Can you grow your your pot of willpower? Is it a muscle that if I can make 10 quality decisions today and I make 10 tomorrow and I make 10 the next day, Maybe the next day I can make 11 quality decisions, and then maybe the week after I can make 15. Is it something that needs to grow? Can it be exercised and developed? Or is it just something that we need to think about and protect ourselves from? It's an interesting idea. Stu, I saw from your notes you have a different feeling about the book, so I'd love to hear what your thoughts are.
1: Uh, Well, I mean, the first thing I would say is I've only read half of it. Mm. So I'm um, I'm still going, and uh, there there are I suppose by definition I focused on the things that I didn't like rather than the things that I did, um, and there's plenty that I do like about the book. So the the opening fifty percent, shall we say, is written uh, very much as a it's almost a procession of experimental results. So. Mm-hmm. The authors, uh, Baumeister and Tierney, are both, I think, I think theory psychologists is perhaps the the right phrase. I'm not sure. Research phy- psychologists. There we go. Research psychologists. Uh, and so they've, they've arrived at a theory, um, and this is how science works, so I'm not, I'm not dissing it, but they've arrived at a hypothesis, which they're then going to test. Um, And clearly psychology is a very difficult thing to test because let's face it, most of us don't have a clue why we're doing what we're doing, but we just do it anyway. (laughs) Um, So it's very difficult to work things out. And I think it's also very difficult to present your findings in any meaningful way. So what happens is that there's this sort of succession of things thrown at you about temptation tests and self-restraint and control. And, but, you know, what is the ego? What is willpower? Um, you know, th- these things are all dealt with in a couple of lines, and then we move on, and then we move on, and then we move on. And mm-hmm. and it's sort of, it's everything. Mm-hmm. And then I, I read some of the results, and they go, and well, because of that, this means that willpower depletion or ego depletion is a thing. And I go, oh, hang on. It, it, not necessarily, because within their experimental results, they also come out with some little things like, oh, and then we discovered that actually if you eat something, you get better.
0: Mm-hmm glucose is uh, what they're talking about right if
1: yeah there's a lot of talk about glucose which to a layman you, the way that you can summarize that whole sort of 30 pages and i recommend you just listen to my summary and don't read the 30 pages because they're not very not very interesting but basically what it says is that humans need fuel there you go that was a lot quicker than 30 pages wasn't it <laughs> and th- there's a lot of that goes on So there's a lot of alternate explanations that sort of leap out and and are not explored. And that's the nature of science to a certain extent. But, you know, claiming that something causes something else is a very, very risky sort of area to go in because it might just be coincidental. You know, the two things may come hand in hand. And I think a lot of what I felt about the first half of the book, at least, is that I agree with some of their findings, and they, they ring very true with my own experience, but I'm not quite sure about their deductions from those findings. There there seems to be this desire to create a sort of unifying theory that covers everything from decision fatigue to, uh, the difficulty to control our, our urges, you know, anybody who's ever tried to lose weight, (laughs) will talk to you about self-control. Um, I, Justin talks about, you know, making tough decisions in the afternoon. Why is that harder than in the morning? Well, it must be because my, you know, I've made so many decisions. I've had enough now. And I think there's, there's part of me that believes that, but if that were true, then surely you would say to every president of every country, you can work for 45 minutes and then you must nap for 15 because then in those, those 45 minutes, you can make better decisions.
0: Okay. I'm not going to make a comment about our current president of the United States, right? I suspect he probably does
1: nap every hour. Uh,
0: there was a picture of him last week in, uh, uh, where was it, Glasgow, yeah, with him with the his eyes closed, it, yeah. looking like he was taking that 15 minutes to refresh his
1: decision-making ability. Well, there you go, you see. He may be wiser than you give him credit for. So, yeah, from, from that point of view, I found myself uh, shouting at the book. And, and quite a lot of my, my highlights um, that will be, will be coming out of the book are going to be accompanied by a note that says, this is nonsense. What about this, 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 or this? However, what I think is really important is that it does approach these questions, because if you get to be as old as Justin and I are, um, you know, which hopefully will happen for you guys one day, <laughs> you, you do read a lot of these things and go, oh yeah, mm, yep, yep, I've been that guy. And you think, yeah, but so for me at least. I suppose my revelation would have been a bit later than than Justin's revelation here, and so Justin read this book in 2011, I assume, or there or thereabouts. I went, okay, yeah, I can see a lot. I believe here. I quit smoking in 2013, and I used to smoke properly. Yeah, I was I was committed to nicotine smoking. Um, I didn't muck about. I would do three packs, four packs a day, so 60 to 80 cigarettes a day. Now. I'd lived for much of my life in central Europe where, you know, uh, my business partner and I used to smoke in the office for years. Hmm.
0: Cleanest way to take your smoke is through a filter.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. So, you know, we would be sitting there literally chain smoking all day. And I was just one of those people convinced that, um, I would never quit smoking because I, I enjoyed it too much. It was too integral to who I am. And I quit smoking without using any willpower. And what I did was, um, essentially I submitted myself to a little bit of NLP. Mm -hmm. So neuro-linguistic programming and reframing. So I read the book, the easy way by Alan Carr. Uh, who's a, I was an accountant, funnily enough, who, um, was, was a big chain smoker as well. And sort of discovered a method Of how to quit. And he very much emphasized that the reason I felt I had to smoke was because I had brainwashed myself, along with the help of big tobacco. I had convinced myself that a smoking was cool and b that I couldn't live without it. Mm. And actually, the physical addiction to nicotine is give or take 72 hours, regardless of how much you smoke. So if you do not smoke for 72 hours, your body will stop demanding nicotine. And when your body does demand nicotine in any circumstance, it's not the end of the world, which is why you can see smokers get on aeroplanes and not you know, have huge fits and, and collapse into withdrawal. They just don't smoke. Or if you're doing something very, very important, I don't know, you're on a military mission or something, you know, you just don't smoke because your mind's on something else. So the withdrawal effects are very much imagined. And the real addiction, the the thing to overcome, is all about believing that I love a cigarette, and a cigarette helps me relax and it it, it makes a drink better, it makes a, a meal better. It's just, you know, it's all of those things are categorically not true, provably not true. Cigarettes play havoc with your taste buds. So how can they make a meal taste better? That depends who's cooked it. <laughs> if you make it taste, taste less bad, you think. Um, so to me, that immediately says to me, okay, so hang on. That's an alternative theory to the one about depleting willpower. And so you still now, certainly in the UK, they're proposing the, the National Health Service, the much vaunted National Health Service, is proposing to prescribe vape, you know, those uh, sort of artificial cigarettes, whatever you want to call them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as, a, as a quit smoking aid. And everybody and anybody who's followed the easy way by Alan Carr is jumping up and down shouting, shouting, no, that's nonsense. You're not addressing the key issue. The key issue is that the smoker thinks they need to smoke. And they don't. You just need to explain that to them in a way that they understand and that they believe, and then they'll stop smoking. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to give them an alternative, less harmful, as yet unproven, poison. And so that is the strongest thing that sort of drives my instinctive response to this book is, well, hang on. I'm very suspicious of the concept of willpower. Because I, I think I wrote it somewhere in the show notes. if I didn't, I meant to. I mean, I have the willpower of a feather. I can resist anything except temptation. And <laughs> if, if I have to rely on willpower for, for anything, then I will achieve nothing. And I'm not suggesting that I'm some sort of super achiever, but I've done okay. And to me, I was really interested by some of the things that the book was saying around ego and around determination. Decision fatigue is something that's always fascinated me. But I, I really didn't agree with the sort of unifying theory that was being born out. And again, I've got a caveat. I haven't finished the book. It may be that I get to the end of the book and go, ah, yes, well, absolutely, you're completely right. And I think a lot of my concerns are around semantics. I don't think they defined the words very well. Um, and I think that they kept amending their definitions to fit the results of the experiments that they chose to include.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there's, there's all sorts of choices there, which, uh, again, is a, is a danger of all experimentation. You know, to use the smoking analogies again, during the fifties and sixties, there were many, many studies that proved that smoking did you no harm. In fact, it was good for you. And it was only when you looked at who was funding these studies that it became apparent why these erroneous results were being promulgated. And that happens all the way across our society all the time and still does, which is, you know, a tragedy. But the reality, I think, around um, self control is that it's, it's certainly mental, but I don't think it's willpower. I think it's much more complex and emotion mental attitude, is that the right word? Mental attitude or framing? Mm-hmm. These things are extremely important, which is why you're seeing this huge sort of rise in uh, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, you know, all of those things. I think having a huge impact on the way that people address these very, very issues might be what's driving this sort of, you know, countermeasure to, countermeasure? counter movement to the idea of willpower, willpower fatigue,
0: Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at this and i I guess I'm reframing this in terms of when I read it, the world was a different place. For sure, iPhones were only a few years old mm-hmm. and they were, an iPhone was nowhere near as addictive as it is today. I think 2011, you might've been lucky to see an Android phone at that point. You know, it was very, very early in, in where we are today, you know, looking at where distractions are. Distractions in those days were the odd text message here and there, but that was in North America. That was still relatively new. Uh, I don't think it was sort of till the mid-aughts that text messaging became a thing because over here we did not have to pay for phone calls the way that uh, Europeans did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that made it a whole lot more difficult to adopt until you had a a BlackBerry, for example. Sure. But um yeah, I, I look at it and, you know, perhaps it's been a while. The differences in semantics aren't there. But for me, the idea that I've taken away from this book is that I, I have a pool of good decision-making that I can make. And if I could protect that from silly things, you know, as silly as it sounds, I have the same thing for breakfast almost every day. Mm-hmm. It's very rare that I don't. I, and that's one decision I don't have to make you know what am i going to have for breakfast what am i going to do here i i do like those built-in routines my my morning rituals for example they're not decisions that i have to make it's a ritual that has become part of that if i had to sit down and choose what i was going to do i think that would affect the amount of decisions that i had to make if i had to start from every day from scratch And that is largely what I got out of the book. That is largely the takeaway that I've had for, you know, almost 10 years now, I guess. And so certainly I'm kind of intrigued to go back and reread the book in any detail because I've got this generally positive thing that here are all of the areas that can, I, I look at it as all of the areas that can create decisions and challenges, and they all fall under this loosely categorized willpower. Whether that is actually the correct term or not, I'm okay with it. It's that Hmm. at at some point, all of these little things that I'll have to do in a day will take a cognitive impact on me, a negative cognitive impact. And by trying to control things and streamline things and build in habits and rituals that are, that are not choices, they're, just habits that one does, it allows me to face the bigger questions a little easier. And that, that was kind of my takeaway, mm. but again, the, even, that now is been challenged, you know, some of the new research. And again, these are probably, well, they're bloggers and research fellows uh, and they're, they're actually saying that, no. Willpower does not get used up like gas in a gas tank or charge in a battery. That willpower itself is not a finite resource. And it comes down to more motivation rather than decision making. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm kind of curious about that too, just from your own perspective, regardless of the semantics of the book. Do you feel that as you go through the day, decision making is something that gets harder or that you make worse choices of, or are you pretty consistent all day long?
1: But I'm certainly not consistent. No. And I would be a sort of poster child for the theory that these guys are putting forward, that that there's only a certain amount of decisions that you can make in a day. And the more that you make, I, I would, I would fit their model because I, you know, like you, I recognize a lot of things you're saying. So, okay, I, I don't, I don't want to. I'll say to my wife, uh, Amore, you deal with that. Wh- whatever you choose, whatever you decide, I'm fine with it. But I'm doing something else, or I've got to do something else. And in, in many ways, I am framing <laughs> myself that I'm not going to deal with that. And that's partly uh, just because. You know, if it's a question of whether we're going to go to restaurant A or restaurant B, I really don't care as long as you go to a restaurant I'm not bothered. And it may be a certain amount of lofty sort of arrogance. Look, you deal with the little things. I'm over here being very important. And so I sort of create that feeling for myself that, you know, I've only got a certain amount of things that I can do and I've got to focus on them. And, And if you sort of substituted the word focus for willpower, I would say, yeah. I have a limited amount of focus, or as many of my teachers wrote, Stuart has the attention span of a goldfish. Once I get into doing something, if it's something that's important, I will throw my heart and soul into it, um, and then I'll move on to the next thing, and then I'll move on to the next thing, and then I'll go, oh, hang on, I'm done. That's it. And is that decision fatigue? Is that willpower depletion? Am I just tired? hmm is it that I've run out of focus, that I've run out of motivation? It's all of that. And what it is for me will be different from what it is for you. And I think where, where I get to is I begin to understand, and this has positives and negatives, I begin to understand how I work. And the reason I say it has negatives is that there's a danger that you can place limiting beliefs on yourself. Mm, very much. Because I can turn around and go, that's the afternoon, I can't do anything. Well, guess what? If I'm under a deadline and I'm sufficiently motivated, i.e. this is an important client who's going to stop paying me money unless I hit that deadline, you'd be surprised how creative I can be. I can sit there and I can write very good papers. I can analyze things. I can do all sorts of stuff regardless of what I've done in the morning. Will will I be tired? Yeah, sure. Will it take a lot out of me? Yeah, sure. But I can do it. Mm -hmm. my my preference is to get that sort of heavy lifting done in the morning and then sort of just cruise into the afternoon until i get another sort of burst of energy towards the end of the day Uh, there's a part of me that says there's that that's a sort of natural biorhythm in me there's also another part of me that says that i am supporting and creating that because you know i've as we discussed in the last couple of episode, you know, I've moved meetings away from my green time
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that I can, you know, do the heavy lifting, do the big stuff then. So I'm actually creating this, this sort of phenomenon as well. It's not something that's just happening to me. And I'm aware that despite my my wife would, would liken me to Spock, she gets very upset that I tend not to get terribly emotional about things. Understand, she's uh, an Italian and a Sicilian to boot. So you know, unless punches are being thrown and things are being broken, then she's not quite convinced that anybody means anything. But I tend to be more logically driven. That said, emotions do run very deep in me, and if I feel unsettled or not quite happy, then my concentration is poor, my decision making is poor, Mm -hmm. and I I note that I'm self-aware enough to go and Why am I sitting here? worrying about that and then i'll i'll sort of track back and go oh it's because actually i'm worried about this and that is praying on whichever part of my brain normally just goes boom is is clearly engaged in something else somewhere else and the great irony and the great joke about life is that you and i are getting so much better at seeing these things in ourselves and when it gets to the point that we're just about to die we'll probably understand (laughs) that's about it isn't it it's. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm any different now to when I was thirty. It's just I, I'm so much more self-aware. <laughs> okay, I, I now know that sometimes the best decision is no decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sleep on it. Leave it till the morning. <laughs> and not because of my willpower is being depleted, but because you know your subconscious is so powerful. Just give it a bit of time, and it may well do some work for you.
0: I actually think that's a great point you brought up, and I'm just thinking about it now
1: uh, because I've I've just
0: finished the Kerry Newhoff book as well, and thinking about things in terms of a green, yellow, and red times, basically looking at your energy levels and your capacity to do hard work. Does that relate in some ways to the? theory of willpower that it's finite and that it goes away uh, because you and I are both, uh, what do they call them? Larks, the morning people. Hmm. We get up, we do our best working time in the, in the morning and our, our yellow and, and red time comes later in the day. And, and I would posit that our decision-making follows a similar pattern of it's better in the morning. And then it dwindles as you get to your red time. If we were the other way around and, and, you know, I used to be, uh, as a much younger man, much better in, in the evenings, mm. uh, I finished, uh, an MBA largely after eight o'clock at night when my daughter went to sleep. Um, I look at that and go, okay. In those days, would my decision-making have been, different because of where my green times were and is it just that we're looking at this and saying this fits into my current energy levels and therefore when i go to my yellow and red zones my my slower less energetic times of the day my my willpower and my decision making abilities because of all of the different factors that Baumaster lists uh, are they, are they worse decisions or do they weigh more heavily upon me because I'm not in that focused time?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, th- I think that is true. Um, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, the obvious, you know, we, we're biological machines and cars are much more effective at being cars when they've got fuel in them. S- so are humans. Um, you know, we need, we, we need to be tuned we need to have a good oil change we we need to be focused motivated emotionally stable all of those things if you look at you know high performance in in any field whether that be business or sport the amount of focus that goes in and the amount of thought that goes into okay how do we make sure that i'm the best i can be how do i present as the best golfer i can be so i look at diet i look at What drugs are going into my my life? You know, am I smoking? Am I drinking? Am I taking too many prescription drugs? Any of those things are going to affect my performance as a sportsman. All of that, those tiny details, I think, all feed into the running of the machine. We are a machine. Mm -hmm. And making a big business decision or a decision about, you know, whether to buy brand A or brand B, it's up to us how much importance we attach to those decisions. and. You know, sometimes I think we, we look for, you know, deep understanding of the fact, well, you're tired. That's what's wrong with you. And when you guys, I like you was a, was a night owl as a young man. And if you asked me to make a serious decision at eight o'clock in the morning, I I would probably just swear at you. That would have been my response.
0: (laughs) Rolled over and got back to sleep.
1: Exactly. Just go away and, you know, speak to me in a few hours when A, I'll know what my name is and B, I can think logically about something. So I, I believe we do have a degree of, of control over, over these things and our lifestyle clearly has a, has an impact as well. So as you get a bit older, you realize that your body is perhaps not as indestructible as it used to be and that you need to sleep. And, um, you know, I used to say, way back when, that I could sort of, you know, Drink for two weeks and have a hangover for five hours. And I mean, now I can drink for five hours and have a hangover for two weeks. <laughs> it's it's just, you know, the way that things change. And like I say, the thing that that most sort of put me back against the book was was really the, the unifying theory. I don't think there is a unifying theory. I think it is a huge sort of mix-up of small factors, all of which play a part, and many of which are still undiscovered. Um, I think nobody has quantified the importance of you know your emotional feeling, your emotional state. The reality, for example, is when you know when Margaret was laid up in bed and your wife is ill, that impacts the quality of your work and mind mm, definitely. You shouldn't do because we're both smart people and we can say okay, now I am not a nurse for one hour, I am a chartered accountant or business strategist or whatever we're going to be. I'm just going to work. But we don't work like that. We just don't. Um, And, you know, on Monday, I had some issues around the website, some stuff that needed doing. But I knew I could say, right, just put that to one side. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to write that, do that. And then I'll come back to this website problem. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. But that's not how I work. That was praying on my mind, okay, what can I do about this? And so, I, I, you know, I noodled. (laughs) I sort of sat here going, Well, I could do that. Or maybe we could do this. Oh, oh, hang on. Maybe this. And, you know, through that sort of process of worrying away and sort of nagging at the problem, I may have come up with a great solution. Because that's kind of how these things happen. Mm. And that's not, you know, because of, of willpower that I wasn't able to work. It was because some part of my subconscious was going, hang on, no, let's. I'm going to apply myself to this. I don't care what you want to do. I'm going to apply myself to this because I think, you know, it's important. I want to get it finished. It's an, what would, uh, what would Alan call it? He'd call it, um, uh, an unfinished loop. You know, there's a running loop in your mind. The the GTD guy, he'd say that that's running in your mind Mm -hmm. and therefore it's causing you a problem.
0: It's interesting to look at some of these theories, these, this research that I think we're pretty much debunking based on our Uh, vast knowledge of two people (laughs) (laughs) or or at least uh, debunking based on the semantics of uh, how they define
1: it. Yeah. I I think their findings, I think we're probably both agree. They're probably quite right.
0: All right, Stu, Uh, do you have any takeaways? It's been a great discussion. I think we're, we've got some thoughts on willpower and particularly the book and whether it affects us. But I think we kind of believe in the, The conclusion that, yes, we should know ourselves well enough to understand whether this affects us or not and and draw our conclusions that way. What takeaways do you have out of this discussion?
1: Well, for me, the very personal one, again, I haven't finished the book, was, you know, theory psychology is, is interesting. And I recommend people do read this. I think you should read it. It's interesting but irrelevant because... What's really you have to understand is how things work for you. Mm-hmm. So, as Justin said, you know, we're both sort of morning people where we would consider the best time to make our creative decisions or life decisions to be a more of a morning thing. And then perhaps be a little bit more relaxed in the afternoon and, and maybe just try not to do the, the more important things then. But you might be the opposite. Whichever you are doesn't matter. Take the time that you need to do the things as you would like them done. It's very difficult, but it's, it's like, take, take control, mm-hmm. try and be intentional.
0: Hmm. That's actually funny, that ties very much into my takeaway as well, which is whether or not decision fatigue is a real thing. I, I would support it just based on my own feeling of how it affects me. But planning out your main tasks in advance reduces a lot of the mental overhead and the time and the indecision that comes up in sitting down and making decision on the fly. If you assume that what they are calling willpower is finite, planning around it can give you an advantage in clarity, if nothing else, and is a worthwhile exercise. So uh, that's, that's going to be my takeaway from this one.
1: No, good advice i would say
0: i just wanted to give a shout out we got a really lovely shout out on a different podcast expanding beyond which is a podcast focused to developers uh, that is a friend of ours urban and his co-creator monica giambito They have a a podcast called Expanding Beyond, which is a focus based on software development, which really is not an area of expertise of mine. I'm a software user rather than a developer. Shortcuts are frustrating enough when they don't work for me. Uh, But they have this podcast and they were kind enough to give us a shout out. So if you're coming to us from there, uh, please excuse the conversation on fountain pens and welcome to the conversation on decision fatigue and willpower. Uh, where can people find you on the internet, Stu?
1: You can find me at uh, StuartLennon.com or nerosnotes.co.uk, or on the mighty Twitter, you can find me at Stu Lennon. Cool. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you?
0: Yeah, you can find me at justintwyfer.com. If you want to see pictures of a post-pandemic rush on store shelves, I'll have a post up on that because... It's amusing and scary all at the same time. You know, supply chain constraints are real, I guess, when everybody goes a little nuts.
1: <laughs> you speak to a man still waiting for his iPhone.
0: <laughs> that, that's just Cypress constraints. I'm not sure that's uh, iPhone constraints. <laughs> uh, you can find me at rightexperience.com and also on Twitter at JJ Twyford, even though I'm mostly a lurker if you're old enough to know what that term means. Uh, you could also email us your thoughts, comments, and tell us we're wrong at gmail.com. Please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. Uh, they really do help reviews, particularly good ones, good ones please, um, they do help us. So we, we really do appreciate those. And we really appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues who you think might get something from the podcast. Our next topic, we're gonna talk about mission statements. The why of an organization can be an interesting one because I'm sure we both have some thoughts on this one mm. until
1: then goodbye and stay productive. Yes.